Well, it's officially here, the holiday season. And this really can be the best time of the year, but it can also be the worst, right? So what's the difference between it being the best time of the year and, and the worst? Is it just like luck or perspective? Or is there actually something we can do to enjoy this season no matter what happens around us? I think there is. So let's talk about it together. There are so many good things about this season. You know, family being together, pie, cool weather and nice sweaters. And it's supposed to be, right? The most wonderful time of the year. But often it's not, is it? See, the holidays are supposed to be the best time of the year, but often they're just the worst. There's so much to them, right? There's so much to do and so much to get done and so much to worry about and often so much drama. Like, what holiday do we spend which, with which family? And is Uncle Larry gonna drink too much eggnog again? And then you got those bratty nieces and nephews you're gonna have to deal with and those in-laws and their passive aggressive snide political or religious comments, right? And uh, for a lot of us, there's so much loss to face, right? Those empty chairs that we wish above everything else just weren't empty. And if we really think about it, it can be overwhelming. So what do we do? We just grit our teeth and get through the next two months? Do we like buy that extra bottle or that extra pack for those tough days? Or do we just shut it all out and, and get all scroogey and like, I don't care about the holidays? Or do we just pretend like none of those bad things exist and just put on a happy face and ignore reality? Here's the thing. We can do better than just getting through the holidays. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I want this episode to be able to offer you a moment to take a step back and prepare our hearts and tune our minds for what's coming. And I'm not just going to offer you some like wishful thinking and some feel-good fluff that doesn't stand up to the reality that we're, we're facing. See, there is a way to experience rest and peace and joy and actual comfort this holiday season that can actually carry us throughout the rest of the year. A perfect example of, of how to do that is found in an ancient Jewish song that we call Psalm 3. It's in the book of Psalms, which is a collection of lyrical poems that were written and collected over a thousand years of ancient Israel history. And they were used as for they were used for corporate and, and personal prayers and songs during worship. And they're not they weren't written necessarily like to teach facts about God, but really to help us express ourselves to God and remind us about who God really is personally. And this Psalm 3 is traditionally believed to be written by King David, the David and Goliath giant killer, David. And it's believed that he wrote it during one of his hardest, most stressful, scariest, humiliating moments in life. His son Absalom was trying to take his throne and have him, have David, hunted down and killed. Like, you think your family reunion is about to be awkward, right? Like, this is a seriously messed up story, and David was a horrible father. You can read the story in 2 Samuel chapters 13 through 19. But in the middle of all this drama and just horrible life, David writes a prayer that we have as Psalm 3. And I don't know what you're facing this year. Maybe you're having to face a holiday that you never thought you'd have to experience. Maybe you're just simply looking forward to a great holiday season. Either way, as we look at David's prayer, I think we can gain some insight for the holidays and for the rest of our year, because the key to a fulfilling holiday season is the key to a fulfilling life. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me. Doesn't that sound like some of your family dinners, right? Now, 
maybe people aren't actually hunting you down to kill you. But I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that there's really more than one type of enemy in our lives. Like think about all the things that need to be done, all those painful memories, the, the stressful interactions and situations and circumstances you're probably going to find yourself in. And you look out and it seems like there's so many things and even people against you. And it starts to feel like there's no way out. And there's no one who can help, not even God. That's how David felt. So many are saying God will never rescue him. So many worries, so many thoughts, so many voices that God's not going to do anything about this. Can God do anything about this? Does God even exist? See, our pain can make us wonder if God is even listening. And then if you're kind of reading along in in the Bible, it has the word interlude, in my translation, interlude or selah. And so pause. Like, remember, it's a song. We just pause for effect and sit with that tension, that stress, that worry of all these things keep piling up. And is there any way out of this? There's so much to process and, and do and deal with. There's so much that can go wrong in the holidays. There's so much pressure to enjoy it personally and then like make sure others and, and the kids and, and your mother-in-law enjoy this season. There's so many unmet and unfair expectations. But, and then as the sun comes up and breaks through the clouds and, and dis dissipates the fog, David continues. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. It says he's a shield. God is a shield around David. This idea of completely covering every part of us. It's more like armor in my mind, right? Completely covering us, covering our fears and our worries and our pain and our sadness. And him, God covering us, shielding us, doesn't always make you know, all these problems magically disappear and replace them with butterflies and rainbows and, and unicorns. But God shields our minds and thoughts. He shields our hearts and emotions. He shields our bodies and all three of those, if you think about it, they're all connected. He shields all of it. He covers all of it, meaning he is in it with us. And he's like taking the hits as they come at us, like a shield would take the hits. It reminds me of the 1989 San Francisco earthquake. I was living in California and I was at Toys R Us with my grandma and the earth starts shaking, right? And we're in the, the bike aisle where all the bikes are up high. And my grandma reaches over and covers me in case a bike fell, they didn't, but in case they did. And I still have that picture. And that's the picture of like God covering us when it feels like everything is going wrong and everything's against us. Because God is intimately aware of and invested in every thought and feeling we deal with. Why? Because he knows us and he cares. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. See, God isn't distant. He isn't uninvolved. He isn't too large or vast or beyond us to hear us and know us and actually respond. He is a personal God who personally cares about you, who actually hears you. Like a parent, if you're a parent, when your kid wakes up in the middle of the night crying and scared that they had a bad dream or something, you don't just lay in bed and be like, well, maybe they'll go back to sleep or make them walk down the dark hallway while they're scared. No, you run to them and you say, you're okay, you're okay, I'm here, I'm here. That is God to us. How do I know? Because of Jesus. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. See, Jesus proves that God personally knows and cares about each person. Now, David gives us another interlude, another selah, another rest, another pause to sit with that idea, to sit with the fact that we are known by God personally, and not just known, but listened to, paid attention to. He doesn't pay attention to us to judge us, but to love us. And he is not asleep. He is running to you right now. And so as we sit in this interlude, the question is, is he your shepherd? Is he your shield? He knows you, but do you know him? It's an important question because when we do know him, we can then trust him and then we can rest. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. I mean, picture David on the run. His son has ordered people to kill him. His life is falling apart. It's actually his fault that he's such a bad dad too. He doesn't know if he's gonna be found by those who are hunting him to kill him. And when is David the most vulnerable? When he's sleeping, right? He can't defend himself. He's completely vulnerable when he's sleeping. But he is able to choose to lay down. He's able to choose to rest his mind enough in all these, this turmoil to actually fall asleep. Why? Because he trusted that God heard him and that God cared for him. And that faith was well-placed because he did. He woke up in safety. And if Jesus is right, then there is a God who knows us and loves us. And if that's the case, then what is bigger? Our problems or God? And now think about this. What is closer, our problems or God? See, we often see God as like out there, right? And our problems right here inside of us, in our mind, in our heart, like just attacking us. But in reality, it's reversed. See, if we've chosen to trust Jesus as our shepherd, he is in here, in here, shielding us from all of that out there. And yeah, the pain may be internal, but he is still closer. Jesus is closer than our pain. And when we accept that and we follow him and we make him our shepherd and our shield, we can choose to rest. This kind of trust is a choice, a choice that slowly becomes more and more instinctual with practice and experience. So how do we practice it? Prayer. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all of my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. <laughs> okay, well, what are you worried about? What are you stressed about? Whatever it is, like getting all the pies done or you know those in-laws coming or whatever. Get a picture of that in your head somehow. Like it's a big, hairy, smelly, drooly monster with fangs or whatever you want it to look like. Maybe it looks like, anyway. Picture it. You see it? You see it looming threateningly there, ready to devour you? Now picture Jesus slapping it in the face. Not like, oh, bad boy, but like full on, full body smack. What is annoying you? What is frustrating you? What is hurting you? Let Jesus knock its teeth out. Let him take the bite out of it. Tell him what's going on. 
Tell him what you're worried and stressed about. He already knows and he's listening. Talk to him about it. Let him remind you who he is. Remind you that he hears you and that you can trust him. Let him, in whatever way he knows is best, slap that issue in its face. Knock its teeth out. And so David remembers that and he asks God to do that and he worships. He reminds himself that victory comes from God. And victory is a good word here, but a better word, other translations use the word salvation or deliverance because we might not always conquer every last shred of those feelings or that loss or that pain here on earth. There's still going to be in-laws, which I think is why Jesus said there's no marriage in heaven. There's still going to be unfair, unmet expectations. And yeah, right now there's still going to be empty chairs, but not forever. There will be a day when his salvation, his saving, renewing, recreating deliverance reaches its finality. When he sets everything right, when he dries every tear, when he makes everything sad and evil become untrue, when those empty chairs are literally filled with the loved ones we have missed so much, and that when we talk to them, we have to shout to be heard because of all the laughter and the stories and the celebration, that is why he came to earth. That is why God became human and entered into this entire mess himself because he showed us that the kingdom of heaven is available now and that we can experience his presence with us, in us, now. And then he chose to die, to take our sin upon himself and kill it. And then he chose, yes, he chose, picture that, he chose to rise from the dead to conquer the power of sin and death. And now he gives us a new life that can begin now and last forever. And someday, everyone will call him the king of the universe. This is the Jesus who knows you, who loves you, who hears you, who is with you. This is the Jesus we can trust. Think about it. Jesus kept his promise to rise from the dead, so we can trust him to keep his other promises. So, how do we enjoy and have and thrive and rest this season and this next year? Well, first a question. Are you trusting Jesus to be your shield? Are you trusting Jesus to be your shepherd? Maybe, you know, maybe I'm pushing too hard. Maybe you're not sure he is even real or is even listening. So I have two invitations for you, two um, challenges. First, ask him. Ask him to show you he is there. And don't just like wait for the, the apple to float and be like, oh, that's God. Ask him to show you he's there and then look back. Look back at your life. What has happened in your life that could be God showing you he's there, showing you that he's listening? Maybe you thought it was a coincidence. Maybe not. What impossible situation resolved itself? What answer to a problem just, just came to you out of nowhere? You are invited to experience a peace and love closer than any pain, any worry, or any stress. And if he is your shepherd, I think here are some steps to survive the holidays. Step one, let's follow David's example and take an interlude. Stop and breathe. Take three deep breaths or as many as you need. When, when that stress, that worry, that uh, those expectations start getting to you, take an interlude. Stop and breathe. Take some deep breaths and then Pray Psalm 3, 7, and 8. I'll read it again. 
Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Think about that stress and that worry. Rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. Whatever it is, let him deal with it. When that uncle does and says whatever they always do, pray, arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap my enemies in their face. If it helps for five seconds, pretend Jesus actually slapping that person, but then move on to the real issue. Maybe what really needs a good slap is the effect that person is having on you. Maybe what needs a good slap is the power it has over you. Maybe it's your the anger and the annoyance and the impatience or your perfectionism, your fear, your anger, your resentment. Maybe what needs to be slapped right in the face is the negative attacking thought that you've allowed to be lodged in your mind. Maybe he needs to slap the loneliness by showing you how close he really is. Let him slap it and take its ability to bite away and then praise him as David did. Say thank you and think of five specific things you can thank him for and then say you are, because of these things I know, you are loving, you are powerful, you are my shield and my shepherd God. And then choose to rest. Physically find a moment to actually rest. Choose to rest and know that he is watching over you. Everything you are stressed and worried about, rest in it. Because Jesus is saying, it's okay, it's okay. I'm here. Just sit with me a while. Because you are not alone. You are not forgotten. You are not useless. And you haven't messed it up beyond repair. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't all depend on you. And no, it won't be perfect. And that's okay. Life will not always be easy. Life is still life. It will be hard. It will be painful. But God is closer than the pain, and he is with you. He is more powerful than anything we can find to worry about. His love is deeper than any pit we can find ourselves in. So this season and this life, remember, when we trust Jesus is with us, we can rest no matter what is against us. Thanks for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We just wanted to let you know about a couple of things about our in-person gatherings that are happening this November. Uh, the 27th is going to be a worship night, so there won't be a message that Sunday, but we will gather at 4.30 as we usually do, and we'll sing songs together, take communion, and then have our snack afterwards. There won't be kids ministry for that Sunday, so our kids are welcome to sing along, and there will be kids packets for them to fill out if they want something to color. We also have our A Home for the Holidays uh, for Salem opportunity that are happening all through November and December. We're trying to raise $5,000 with Liberty Christian Church to purchase a micro shelter for Church of the Park so that they can house a family for the holidays. Uh, Church of the Park is a great ministry here in Salem. They provide on-site services 24 hours a day, and it's just a great opportunity for us to support a local ministry and before our neighbor. So check out the link in the show notes on how you can donate to a home for the holidays. We really hope to meet our goal and we really are enjoying working with Liberty Christian Church on this endeavor. Thank you for watching this online content or listening on the podcast and we hope to see you in person soon. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. I haven't done one of those in forever. For some reason, <laughs> <laughs> <Still> could. <laughs> I hope this word warms your heart as much as this fire warms my hands.
holiday season. Mm -hmm. Hoop-dee-doo and dickery-dock.